4: Another Miss to, to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour from the Southern Bancorp Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. I'm Bob Getty. Kelly Sanders here with me. Luke Johnson's in Laurel. We're glad you're with us wherever you're tuned in on the Super Talk Radio Network. Opening segment of the show sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Great place to enjoy lunch or dinner. Great place to cater your next event. And they're great supporters of Southern Miss Athletics. Nikki's Barbecue, right by the mall here in Hattiesburg, and just a great place to take your family. Kevin Warner is the Assistant Athletic Director for Communication at James Madison University. He'll be joining us here momentarily, or later in the show, I should say, to introduce that school to Eagle Hour listeners. Patrick McGee from NOLA.com. We'll talk a little Saints football here in a few minutes. Uh, But first, uh, baseball news. It seems that baseball never leaves us. Uh, Good news, bad news, I guess, depending on how you look at it. Five Southern Miss pitchers drafted by Major League Baseball. Uh, Luke will have the names. The Golden Eagles do sign another impressive pitcher to the roster. Uh, Before we give our analysis and opinions, Luke, uh, update us on the pitchers that were drafted and the pitcher that's coming in.
0: Alright, first and foremost, just to remind our listeners, Dalton Rogers and Tyler Stewart went. Um, in uh, in the earlier rounds of the draft. Rodgers went 99th overall to the Boston Red Sox. Tyler Stewart, that was in the third round. Tyler Stewart went 179 overall the sixth round to the New York Mets. Um, yesterday, right after we got all off air, three more Golden Eagles uh, were drafted. Landon Harper went in the 14th round, uh, 425th overall to the Atlanta Braves. And then in the 15th round, 444 overall, uh, ben Etheridge goes to the Minnesota Twins, and then one round later in the sixteenth round at pick four ninety overall, Garrett Ramsey goes uh, to the Boston Red Sox. Um, before we get into to who's coming in, I mean that that is uh, five pitchers that were drafted, and later in this segment, Bob, I'll just kind of tell you how different you know the the, the pitching staff is going to look like, um, because when you look at graduation portals and uh, and and draft, I mean. Yeah, I mean, this pitching staff took a hit. Now we we do think Rogers and Stewart will will probably sign. Um, Etheridge and Ramsey in interviews with our with our good friend Andrew Abdy of of Pine Belt Sports yesterday kind of hinted that they were going to sign, but but Landon Harper is a guy you don't know what he's going to do in the fourteenth.
4: Right. Well, there are two ways to look at this, uh, Kelly Santer, Uh You can and, and you do want to congratulate these young men. You do, and certainly I I do. Uh, the ones that are drafted and, and going to get the big money, the five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars 700000 signing bonuses, clearly every, everybody would take that. But I've always found it so frustrating that some of these kids are persuaded to leave for really what you and I know is not as much money as it may appear. You say you get a $200,000 signing bonus. Okay, well, the government sucks up 40%, 45% of that, and basically you've got a year's salary you know, of a good job. And then ninety nine percent, am I right, Kelly, disappear into the obscurity of minor league baseball. But it's but it's the chance to pursue
2: the dream, right? From the time that these guys were five years old throwing a baseball, they envisioned themselves. And a couple of them, a couple of our Eagles, signed with the Red Sox. You know, and so they they envisioned themselves playing at at rustic you know Fenway Park. Um, somebody's got to do it, right? And it's that next step. So I I think that a lot of them would think that the money is kind of secondary. It's the opportunity now to pave their way and to fulfill that ultimate dream of getting to pitch in the major leagues. So
4: let me ask you this. So let's say you're a junior and you get drafted and you say, you know, I want to finish. I want to finish my eligibility in college. So does that mean that? Major League Baseball's attitude is you'll sign this year, kid, or we have no interest in you.
2: No, that is not the case. However, you're also taking the risk if you come back your senior year in college and get hurt, tear your labrum, all right, or hurt your elbow, well, then you're then you're damaged goods and nobody's going to want you. You will get nothing. And there have been instances where guys waived that junior year and said, I'm going to come back, and then did get hurt that senior year, and... Some of them have kicked themselves, saying, "I should have gone when I had the opportunity." Of course, you know, second guessing—that's always twenty twenty, right? Um, but it's—it's it's the opportunity. I'm telling you, the money for a lot of them is secondary. It's the chance to make it to the bigs and to be that guy.
4: All right, yeah. Luke. Presuming they all sign and and leave, what
0: will the pitching staff look like next year? Well, just before you, before you get to that, just to 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 say why you know we're hinting at some of these guys. You know, would go so Rodgers in the third round. That 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 pick's worth, uh, and I'm just using rough numbers here between six hundred and ten and six hundred fifty thousand dollars. So he's gone. And tip your cat, way, way to go, son. I mean, we're we're proud of you. Um, Tyler Stewart in the six. That that's that value slot is right at two hundred and ninety thousand. So yeah, he's he's gone too. Harper um, Harper's slot last year was right around $125,000. Now, uh, our, our good friend Patrick of hattiesburg uh, gave me an interesting statistic. Ninety-four percent in the last four years of guys drafted in the 14th round have signed. But Harper's different because he's got a one more COVID year. He's not technically a senior. Um, and so he's got a little more leverage. And so it could be a situation where he, you know, maybe wants a little more money and that would keep him coming back from Southern Miss. Um, Ramsey, yesterday, and uh, this is on Andrew Abbott's uh, Twitter page. Uh, just where he interviewed these guys yesterday. Ramsey hinted at it and said, I'm blessed to be joining that organization. Speaking of the Red Sox, because me and Dalton Rogers went to high school together. And so it seems as if Ramsey's going to do that. And to your point about injury, Kelly, this is probably why Ben Etheridge will sign as a 15th rounder. Um, because, you know, he's, he's had a, a, some, some arm issues and somebody drafts him like that. He's going to go. Um, what I was hitting at earlier. So, at the beginning of the season, Southern Miss had 18 pitchers according to the roster. It may have been 19 because I don't know if Wee Hunt's on there. So we've lost four to the portal, Blake Wee Hunt to Kennesaw, uh, Waldrop to Florida, Will Tynes in the portal right now, and then Gillentine went to, to Charlotte. Five to the draft, so if Harper comes back, that's four. And then we lost Boyd and Riggins to graduation, which would mean even if Harper comes back, we would have lost 10 of the 18 or 19 Pitchers uh, going into this uh, last year's season. All right, but who's coming in? So, one of the guys, the, one of the big names that come in, of course, Tyler Martin out of Nebraska. Um, but a, a kid out of Eastern Connecticut that was a really good D3 pitcher, his name's Billy Oldham. At Eastern Connecticut, uh, they won the national championship in D3 this past year. He put up a 253 ERA, uh, he was 12 and 2 with a 104 whip. Struck out 120 batters and walked just 24 in 16 starts.
4: Okay, so we've got two coming in. The kid from Nebraska. Let's emphasize Nebraska uh, and uh, and the kid from Eastern Connecticut. Uh, uh,
0: I think there's one more actually too that's coming in. I'll, I'll work to get you that name. But you got to think about the guys coming back. Of course, Tanner Hall, uh, a, a guy I think a lot of people are excited after they saw him pitch in the Super Regional. Nico Maza, um, Chandler Best. Um, you know, obviously, some of uh, if you get Harper back, you you feel better about that situation. Matt Adams, Isaiah Rhodes, um, all these are guys you know that 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 pitched and uh, and and will pitch next year for sure.
4: Well, and and the the great news is that we have the Wizard of Oz over on the campus uh, to replenish the pitching staff, Kelly.
2: Well, we talked earlier this week about how pitching has become at a premium in Major League Baseball. And you saw it yesterday. The only Southern Miss guys that got drafted were pitchers. And that's going to be a trend that is going to continue. So you parents that get upset that your 12-year-old travel team won't play your son at shortstop or at second base and they just use him as a pitcher, it's not a bad thing. It is not a bad thing because pitchers are at a premium. William Carey University of Hattiesburg, also had uh, a pitcher selected yesterday, a lefty, uh, and good for him. He got drafted by Detroit. That's not such good news. <laughs> but, but nonetheless, uh, Mississippi's really getting to be a hotbed you know, for, for college baseball. But again, pitching is at a premium. There's nothing and, wrong with just having your kid be a pitcher only.
0: One more thing, too, we our listeners need to know. Tate Parker was not drafted. Matt Etzel, big time transfer coming in. He can play outfield. Uh, he's actually he was leading, um, I think, the average in, in average in the MLB draft league. So those are two hitters that did not get drafted and so you know you look at with with Ramsey going going to be gone Etheridge going to be gone Stewart going in the sixth round we were we were saying wonder about some of these guys and we were almost worried that Etzel and Parker would go they didn't which is good news for the, the offensive side of Golden Eagle baseball
2: and they were so deep and 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 granted they they did lose a lot of guys to the transfer portal graduation and and the draft but there are lots of good pitchers out there. Coach Ostrander will develop them, and I have every confidence that they'll be ready to roll come
4: next February. No question. Patrick McGee, NOLA.com. We're going to talk about Luke's favorite subject. And Kelly's, too, New Orleans Saints football. Hey, New Orleans may be getting an, a soccer franchise as well. Oh, that's exciting. Next. Next. <laughs> To the Eagle Hour, the Eagle Hour, Southern Miss to the top. Campus Bookmark sponsors the second segment of the Eagle Hour every day. It's a great place to buy your Southern Miss apparel for your home, for your car, for your body. You can shop online at campusbookmark.net. Shop in person on Hardy Street six days a week right across from the Southern Miss campus. Quick reminder, you can hear the Super Talk Eagle Hour podcast on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. You can do that anytime, or you can just tell Alexa to play the Super Talk Eagle Hour. It's uh, Wednesday. We go to the uh, Crescent City of New Orleans, and that's where our buddy Patrick McGee from NOLA.com updates us, uh, I think, weekly now, Patrick, as we're getting close to the uh, start of uh, NFL football season. What's the latest news from the New Orleans Saints?
1: well we're uh, exactly a week away from the start of training camp which will be uh, July 27th i think some rookies are already uh, reporting around the nfl so it's i mean it's pretty much here you got the sec media days going on this week and, and things kind of moving towards uh, the nfl training camp getting started up so it's it's <laughs> it's getting here it's, it always kind of creeps up on you you know you are bored for a while then all of a sudden it's here and yeah. Uh, so yeah uh, the football season's right around the corner
4: yeah, speaking of the highest-paid professional football players in the country, it is SEC Media Week, isn't that right, Patrick?
1: Yeah, I've tried to I've I've tried to watch and keep tabs. Part of my job here is you know my, helping with their LSU coverage and monitoring that. And I've never been so bored in my life. No, I mean we need we need a Steve Spurrier or our somebody kind of
4: guy. our kind of guy.
1: I mean, since Jimbo and Saban have to play nice, it's really been pretty boring.
4: Yeah. All right, so uh, can can Luke get ready for a division championship, Patrick, or is is the GOAT going to just crush his, crush his feelings again?
1: Well, eventually the, the GOAT's got to become an old GOAT at some point. And, and, you know, I mean, he was very good last year. He's been very good for several seasons now. But uh, it was odd offseason. He retires, he unretires, and, and I have no doubt that he's going to be ready to go uh, day one. But will he be the Tom Brady we've seen the last two decades uh so I, I, I you know I, I think the Saints are in a good position they're, uh there's really you know as as long as they have Kamara in there for a not too lengthy suspension and Michael Thomas uh comes on board and, and is good to go uh there early in the season kind of full go I think the Saints don't really have many weak points uh they're probably not going to be quite as experienced as linebackers they were were a year ago losing Quan he's still a free agent uh, so you'll have some kind of younger guys starting there. But the secondary's been upgraded. Uh, defensive line may be not quite as deep, but still very good, especially on the edges. Uh, across the board, I think the Saints are in a pretty good spot. There.
2: Is, there, is there any way to know, Patrick, where we are on the timeline as to when we'll find out what Kamara's punishment may be?
1: No, it's, it's, the, the legal side is, is still playing out. Uh, they've had uh, multiple delays. Uh, for a court appearance so this is something that is really uncertain uh i think all at some point in august i think maybe around mid-august is whenever he's supposed to have his court appearance uh so maybe closer to that time uh it may it's possible that it could play into the season where you know camara starts uh you know the first two or three games of the season and the nfl comes down with some type of ruling but uh, it's really hard to say.
2: And I ask that question because this is going to sound stupid, and I get it, but there's a lot of fantasy football guys that are sitting around planning yeah. their drafts asking, you know, how high should you take Alvin Kamara? How many games may he have to sit out? And at this point, we have absolutely no hint even of what may be coming right. down the pipe.
1: Right, yeah, and everybody's kind of counterbalancing counter this with what Deshaun Watson is facing. If Watson gets this, what will compare? Kamara- Camara get. It's it's a weird deal.
4: <laughs> it's no, uh, comparison. I, I mean, it no, no comparison. I mean no comparison.
1: It was exceptionally stupid what uh Chimera did, but no, there is no
4: comparison. No, there's
1: not. Um it's it's Watson I think there was a report out today or yesterday that Watson that the Browns were expecting an eight game suspension, which I think would be pretty weak. Uh I think a half game suspension is not is not it doesn't do the job if they want to be taken seriously. Yeah, well, I mean, if finish. you
4: just suspended him one game for every woman that's accused him of molesting him, he'd be out three he'd be years. Yeah, be out two years at least. At least at least two years that we know about. Yeah,
0: but I yeah.
4: I regress. Luke,
0: get involved here, Patrick. Come. Um, I don't think I, I've talked to you since uh, since Baker Mayfield um, went to Carolina. How how does that change, if anything, the atmosphere of the NFC South?
1: Well, I think it adds kind of a wild card to it. I mean, we we've seen Mayfield be very good at times. Uh, the, the the Cleveland deal doesn't isn't always the best. I mean, I, I think they play good football. That I like the coach they have there. Uh, I don't like the decision they made by going after Deshaun. Uh, but I, I think adding Mayfield does, you know, maybe make the Panthers a little bit relevant. It's a team that the Saints are going to have to contend with a little bit more. Atlanta is going to be a bad football team this year, as, as everyone expects. But the Panthers are are that team that's just close enough to where they could pick off. If you know, you you want you want to beat the Panthers twice if you're the Saints, and this just increases the chance of something odd happening and the Saints losing one of those football games. So. It definitely changes things. The Panthers could be anywhere from a five-win team to a nine-win team, you know, somewhere around there. So it it does kind of complicate things in the division, I think, for the same yeah. I
4: think Baker Mayfield's a good quarterback.
0: Well, it, it it's you never know what you're going to get sometimes with with him. He could be lights out or he could be be rough. But and I think Matt Rules on the hot seat as well in in Carolina. Mm-hmm. All right, um, Chris Olave, a lot of people excited about him. I saw something pretty cool earlier this week. He was actually sitting in, I think, with. Some of the city council of, of the city mm-hmm. of New Orleans basically talking about, you know, what can he do for the community. And, and we were all air We were kind of talking about, you know, the unique aspect. New Orleans may not be the biggest market. And that may in some sense play in its strength to situations like Olave where they, they look at their, you know, their professional athletes. And a lot of times more often than not, Saints players and other players like get involved in the community. And I thought that was awesome to see with him.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was a, a good thing. I mean, if you want to see these athletes making genuine, you know, efforts, not just holding a a celebrity softball game and raising money, which is great, but actually getting out there and getting hands on uh, with what you see you've seen Honey Badger here lately really try to get engaged with youth. He's a, he's such a huge figure in this town and in this state. Uh but yeah, Lave if if he's if he's doing that, that's a good sign because it's there is a problem in New Orleans, specifically with the youth and teenagers. You see the crime surge, and too often, uh, you see teenagers being arrested for some really horrific crimes. Uh, so you've just got a community that's kind of uh, uh, just in a really rough spot. And the more these athletes kind of can kind of engage and, and may hopefully make an impression on these kids at a young age, maybe you can make some type of. Uh, Different, so uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a positive.
2: Meanwhile, Patrick, you look at the Southern Miss football schedule. One of the opponents, of course, is the Tulane Green Wave. The Eagles mm-hmm. will play the Wave in New Orleans, uh, you know, mid season. What are we hearing out of Willie Fritz's uh, camp there at Tulane? How the how are the Green Wave going to be this year? You think?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, it's been hard to say. I haven't seen much reporting on the Green Wave football team here lately. Uh, I wish I could give you more on that, but I, uh, I, I think our beat writer for Tulane was writing here about baseball. I think Tulane had one guy drafted in the MLB trap, and that probably tells you where the Tulane baseball program stands at the moment. Uh, you you they're got until week rebuild. four
0: of the regular season to, to school up because that's when we have to ask you the tough questions about Tulane.
1: <laughs> but, no, I, I don't expect much out of Tulane this year, just the way they played last year. They looked good early in the season and kind of uh, uh, flaked out. You know, so I am I am not a I'm not a two lane buyer going into this season. Right. I think losing Will Hall on that staff was was a big deal.
2: All right, Patrick, and and the 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 thing that Bob Getty is really wanting to hear the most about is that New Orleans is potentially going to be home of a professional soccer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. franchise. Oh, strike, strike, strike up the chorus.
1: Yeah, uh, USL uh, is the division below MLS. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a substantial deal. Uh, they're talking about uh, 2025. You both have, a, have both a professional men's and women's team uh, here in New Orleans. I, I, the question really is, is, you know, kind of developing the brand, the mascot, colors, everything, and where the heck they're going to play. Uh, there's an effort to reno- renovate the old uh, Zephyr Stadium, Baby Cake Stadium, which now called the Shrine on Airline. Uh, They're putting millions of dollars into that to to make it a facility to host uh, both football and potentially soccer. So Metairie could be one site, but there's also a a site they're looking at over by the the river near the the convention center uh, where there's a lot of space that they're hoping to come and develop and and, and do some stuff there. I think that's where they would like to put a site. Uh, And I think it's a good idea. You know, uh, New Orleans is a big enough market for professional soccer. There would be interest in this community just knowing the people here. Uh, so I, I think it would be a positive development. It, but it would be those games that, you know, if they're playing anywhere in the late spring and into the summer, it'd be some hot games.
2: And and if they're going to have a men's team and a women's team, it would lead you to believe that the athletes will have to declare one gender or the other. <laughs> Patrick's not even commenting on that, <laughs> on that Bob.
0: I, I like the idea of, of soccer in, in New Orleans because... Unlike Bob Getty, I appreciate worldwide um, taste, and that
1: is mean, is. I'm the most excited. Popular. I'm
4: excited about a soccer team in New Orleans. You
1: yeah. Well, New Orleans in a lot of different ways it is an international city, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, the people that come here and the people live here. There's a lot of people that, uh, that come in from Europe, and there's a lot of ties to Europe, so it makes sense, and, and just, it's got kind of a, you see communities like Portland really get behind it, and there's kind of a Portland aspect to New Orleans, so. Uh, I think people really like to watch soccer here, and I think it'll do well.
4: Patrick, I'd apologize for Kelly, but you're used to him by now. So uh, I don't no, got...
1: I'm, I'm in no way surprised. Okay. I, I, I just expect <laughs> to be disappointed on a weekly basis. So, like, we Wow.
4: Go. Thank you, Patrick. Patrick McGee, <laughs> all right. everybody. There you go. <laughs> oh, he knows you are. What well, a though. ringing he, endorsement he that is. Well. Huh? PatrickMcGeeNola.com. We're going to tell you all about James Madison University. Everything you've ever wanted to know next.
0: miss to the top to the top you're tuned
1: in to the eagle hour
4: got two text messages during the break head baseball coach scott barry will be joining us friday at one and patrick mcgee text me and said he's never coming back on the show again <laughs> <laughs> my fault my bad oops uh, was it segment, something i said i can't imagine <laughs> this segment sponsored by four street bar and grill it's a great place to have lunch uh, five days a week Nine dollars ninety-five cents. It is a working man's launcher. That's the best kind of food. And
2: they love me at Fourth Street. I'll tell you that.
4: Now, that's really not what they say when you're not around. <laughs> this week, okay. But if it makes you feel this, any better, yes, Kelly, moment. they love you. Uh, they love you very much at the Fourth Street Barn Grill. and hey, we've been talking uh, to officials from all the schools in the new Sun Belt Conference today. We have Kevin Warner, who is the associate athletic director for communication at James Madison University in harrisonburg virginia and kevin we're glad to have you on the super talk eagle hour
3: glad to be on thanks for the invite and uh, excited to talk to uh, our conference mates excited to be conference mates
4: we're all excited here in southern mississippi about uh, joining the sun belt Uh, let us let our listeners know a little bit about james madison uh, the history of your athletic program uh, student enrollment all all the good stuff about your university
3: Sure. Uh, It's hard to condense it, but I'll do the best I can. JMU was founded in 1908, um, so a relatively young institution. We're in Harrisonburg, Virginia, in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, uh, which if you're not familiar with, is a very picturesque, just beautiful area of the country. Um, We're right between the Blue Ridge Mountains to the east and uh, Shenandoah National Park, and then um, the Appalachian Mountains, George Washington, Jefferson National Forest, to our west in West Virginia. Um, so just scenic mountains all around, and we're in the valley, um, just pleasant, recreational place to live. Um, the university has grown a lot. It started as a women's college, a teacher's school, and has grown over the years. Um, from early enrollment, they added men uh, to make a co-ed in the 60s. And uh, we're to the point now, we're about 22,000 students, mostly undergrad, a small number of grad. Uh, it's about 20,000 undergrad, 2,000 grad. Um, large campus, our athletics program uh, became varsity around 1970. We became division one around 1977, um, FCS, and then obviously now transitioning to FBS. Um, so we're still young, about 40 years as a division one athletics program, but we've had a lot of success in that time in a number of sports, four national championships, two FCS football, one in women's lacrosse, one in field hockey. Uh, we've had men's soccer three different times be a national quarter finalist. Um, and obviously the softball run to the women's college world series folks may remember from last year. And we really pride ourselves on widespread success across the department we are not a one or two sports show um we're very proud of our women's sports our women's sports traditionally achieve a lot of success across all of them um women's basketball softball women's lacrosse field hockey all high high achieving programs um we we put resources equitably into all of our sports and uh, expect a lot of them, but also try to give them the best that they can achieve at a high level.
0: Luke, Kevin, thanks so much for coming on. You know, from the from the Southern Miss perspective, Conference USA that we're, we're coming out of, they're they're bringing several programs up from FCS and. I did not, when, when it was announced that James Madison was coming to the Sun Belt, I did not feel the same way. And what I mean by that is you guys, you know, with, with what you've done in football the last several years, I mean, you're just top of the class. And so you, you, you feel like this is a team that wasn't given you know an opportunity to come you know uh, to an fbs football conference as a handout like this is a quality program and that's what we felt like with uh you know with sunbelt leadership is that they're going after like products like like the quality products that's going to go on the field as you said in all sports what's what was it for james madison you know that said yeah we're going to do this with the sunbelt
3: yeah i think i first of all that's a good observation and we would agree um we were not going to be a FCS transitioning school that said, okay, let's try to make the numbers work and do the best we can to be FBS. We've, we've been extremely strategic for years. Um, we did a feasibility study in 2013. We've been strategically and methodically uh, making improvements to facilities and our um, infrastructure, our personnel infrastructure so that, um, I mean, in a lot of ways, and to be honest, we feel like we're already operating at an FBS level than maybe half the group of five, um, just in terms of being set up for success and putting ourselves in the best position. Um, We've been very careful of, as any opportunities, as there been any inquiries, what would that look like, jumping at FBS for the sake of FBS, but is it the right opportunity? Right. And I think when, when you look at the Sun Belt and the schools that were already in it last year, and then um, you know, Southern Miss is, an ex- is a great peer institution, but specifically look at Old Dominion and Marshall for us geographically, combine that with App State and, and the other Eastern Division schools, it was a, a no-doubt, uh, yeah. a no-brainer. I, it just made complete sense across the board at that point.
0: Yeah, I mean, we talked to a guy from Texas State the other day, and, and they kind of lost the travel partner with, with Arlington. You guys get to, and, and we had talked to Ted Alexander back in, uh, I think, last fall when the news broke. I know James Madison and Old Dominion, there's a lot of history there, and I know you guys are thrilled to be playing each other regularly.
3: There is a lot of history, and that 7, 757 Norfolk area of Virginia is actually a key area for us. We get a lot of students in the general student body from that beach-tidewater area. Um, so it's a natural rivalry because the, they already live around each other. They're attending, uh, you know, applying to the same schools and seeking the same programs. Um, it's a natural fit. It's three and a half hours away, uh, two easy interstates, um, and just really similar peer institutions. I talked already about the approach to all sports, the pride, the pride that we have in our women's sports. And a lot of that history of women's sports has been really big games against Old Dominion in women's basketball and field hockey. Um, there's a, so much history between these schools, uh, whether it's the CAA or the time before and after we were conference partners. Um, and we 're really excited to renew those rivalries in all of our sports. So Kevin, the,
2: the, coming out of the colonial, you guys are, are the, the football team is handicapped anyway with some things the NCAA says that they will not be able to compete for this year as they transition into the Sun Belt. kind of bring our listeners up to speed as to what james madison 's situation is with the NCAA you know, this season as they now come into the Sun Belt.
3: Sure. The current NCAA legislation is that it's a two-year transition for any school going from FCS to FBS, and the real reason for that is they want to make sure that you're equipped to be successful at the FBS level. We really feel like we're in a unique situation because we already meet attendance requirements. We already have so much built in in terms of services and and personnel to support our student-athletes compared to FBS peers, um, and honestly, even the COVID extra eligibility rules, everyone's already carrying rosters higher than the FCS 63 scholarships anyway. So we're already kind of there in the scholarship number transition. We just feel like we're in a really unique situation that we can be successful. So we are in the process of an application to the NCAA to reduce that to one year. Um, that will not be reviewed and we won't hear back until probably early 2023. So for now, we are basically assuming it's a two-year transition with the hope it could be reduced to one. And another factor in all of that is all the work that's taking place right now with the NCAA Transformation Committee and uh, determining the future of the NCAA. And the NCAA is not in a hurry right now to you know, grant exceptions and, and do all these things for schools while it's actually trying to decide its future and some major legislation impact.
2: So that means football-wise, what will you not be able to win this year?
3: Yeah, so we cannot win the Sunbelt Conference Championship and cannot participate in a bowl game. But and we'll play a full Sunbelt schedule. Obviously, that's out there, and uh, we can go 8-0 and like Georgia Southern did a few years back if, if we're so fortunate. Uh, we just can't be declared the champion. We can't play in a conference championship game and not advance to a bowl game.
4: All right, Kevin, just a little less than a minute left, but I did hear, I did hear you mention field hockey and some, some sports like that, which may not be played at schools like Southern Miss, Louisiana, schools like that. What, what happens to those kids?
3: Yeah, right now, field hockey, women's swimming and diving, and lacrosse, women's lacrosse, uh, do not have homes in the Sun Belt. Uh, women's lacrosse, we have an affiliate agreement with the American Conference, and that looks like a great fit. Field hockey will play as an independent. Uh, women's swimming and diving, we're still kind of working on. The great news is that the Sun Belt is exploring adding field hockey and swimming and diving as sports. Um, with us coming on board, with Old Dominion coming on board, Marshall, there's some fit and interest there. So um, hopefully that will come to fruition. They're still working through that, but um, you know those are regional sports. It's more of a Mid Atlantic Northeast region for those sports. So. That's kind of why the Sun Belt just didn't have a home for it right now. Right.
4: All right, Kevin, great conversation. We really appreciate your time. We look forward to uh, athletic competition with your fine university.
3: I appreciate it as well. Looking forward to Southern Miss GMU games in the near future.
4: All right, Kevin Warner, Associate Athletic Director for Communications, James Madison. Very interesting, I think, to talk to these schools. The Dukes of James Madison. There we go. Only Kelly would know. We'll be right back.
0: The top. Appreciate Kevin Warner from James Madison University joining us and learning about the Dukes. If you missed that, of course, we're on all the platforms, every single one of them. Bob, the list, please.
4: Uh, tune in: Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcast, Audible, Apple Podcast, or you can tell Alexa to play Super Talk Eagle Hour. There we go. Thanks to Eagle
0: Michael Hour. Myers. On a Wednesday from the Southern Bancor studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Scheduled to have uh, two more Sunbelt schools on tomorrow. We'll be talking, uh, to Kevin Davis of Coastal Carolina. And then later we'll talk to Danny Reed of, of Georgia State over in the AT, ATL and then have Georgia Southern on Friday. Good stuff. All right. Um, the third name, I was, I was telling you guys some of the transfers that are coming in. Etzel and Parker, uh, New guys coming in, but the, specifically from the portal. Tyler Martin of Nebraska, uh, the Oldham kid from Eastern Connecticut. The third is actually a Mississippi guy uh, coming in from Tennessee Tech, Gabe Lacey. Uh, he's an infielder in this past year for uh, for Tennessee Tech, man. Guys, he, he, he had a really, really good season. Second on the team in batting average, batted uh, three twenty nine with 16 um, home runs. Uh, I'm sorry. Twelve home runs, 63 RPIs, and uh, he batted 329. So uh, Gabe Lacey coming in originally out of Gulfport, transferring from Tennessee Tech. Uh, Frank Gore Jr. named to the Doug Walker preseason uh, award. So always cool to see Frank. Um, you, you have to be a running back, but you know, is he going to get something for the O'Brien as well because of his quarterback abilities? I'm not sure. But superback, uh, the head of the superback committee, Frank Gore Jr. named as a preseason candidate for Doug Walker. Uh,
4: look, let me go back to baseball real quickly too. What, what One other, I think, bit of good news is there was some real concern that the young man were also high on Tate Parker out of Pearl River, uh, the center fielder, home run king, that we might lose him to the draft. But that doesn't appear to be the case. He's coming to Southern Miss. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, Parker's, Parker's coming. mentioned at the top of the show, we were really concerned that he or Matt Edsel might get drafted, and neither one of them did. So so thankful for that. Golden Eagles will hold on to those two guys. And another big catcher that we've had out here at the
4: studio that Kelly said was the best high school catcher that he ever saw play.
0: Graham Crawford,
4: yeah,
2: also out of Pearl River by way of uh, Alabama. And meanwhile, a youngster that I think Luke talked about yesterday from Brandon, uh, Mississippi, a catcher who's still in high school, but he has committed to the Black and Gold. Well,
4: Scott Berry will be on the show with us Friday. But relax, Golden Eagle fans, because the Eagles are still a loaded bunch. Uh, you got the best pitching coach probably in the country, a great head coach, a lot of real talented players coming onto an already talented roster.
0: And and speaking of Scott Berry. Happy birthday to you! Yeah, happy birthday to you! Happy birthday, best baseball coach in the land, Scott Berry! Happy birthday to you!
2: One of his colleagues, head football coach Will Hall, addressed the members of Club One of Hattiesburg yesterday, and some of the things that he was talking about. You, You mentioned. Uh, Frank Gore Jr, uh, he's put on about fifteen pounds in the off season, all in a good way, of course. Uh, Colt Cavallo's getting some uh, some preseason notoriety across the country as a, as a tight end and fullback. They'll implement him as a fullback some this year. But one of the things that Coach Hall made sure that he pointed out was uh, for the first time that uh, that we know of, every single player on the football roster, this fall, is on track to be academically eligible. Now, what does that, what does and that, that tell that's you? that's
4: really good news. That's important news.
2: Yeah, because I, it doesn't matter, and, and I talk to high school athletes all the time, it doesn't matter how good you think you are or, or how good these coaches think you might be. If you can't get it done in the classroom, you are of no use to them because you can't participate anyway. And I wish at more athletes at a younger age would get that through their heads. That, look, even if you don't like school, you still have to get it done because you're you're not going to be eligible to play. But as, but as Will Hall also said yesterday, he said, it's not that our players last year were bad football players. We just didn't have enough of them. Uh, but now a lot of the depth issues at a lot of the positions have been addressed. But one of the things then that can – steal players away from you again is players not being academically eligible and again according to will hall yesterday all rostered football players are on track to be eligible for the fall
4: and Kelly is still eligible at Mobe beignet. You're still Beignet. They haven't tossed you yet. But.
2: I will never lose my eligibility.
4: But that's not a buffet, so there's no problem. There's no problem well, for you. Well,
2: today it's not a buffet. I'm working
4: on it. Yeah, he, Kelly trying to talk him into doing the beignet <laughs> buffet at Mo Beignet. It's got a ring to it, doesn't it? It does. But for the time being, you just order your beignets and they cook them for you. You can get three at a time, whereas Kelly does a dozen at a time.
2: Well, I was going to say, that the only thing is the servers must be a little hard of hearing because when I do order a dozen at a time, they go, how
4: many? <laughs> <laughs> They'll get used to it. Uh, yeah, sort yeah. of like Patrick McGee. Here he comes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mauvais Beignet on Hardy Street. We uh, hope that you'll enjoy a beignet and some hot coffee and tell them that you heard all about it on the Eagle Put hour. a little bit of that chicory in there, too.
0: Chicory coffee. And look, yeah, you like the, those uh, toppings, don't you? Yeah, cinnamon and, and buttercream syrup. Last time I was in there, I actually had a uh, you know a, a frozen coffee, and it was – I think I walked out like sprinting because I had so much sugar intake, but it was so good, by it the way. It a great place to go for a sweet summer treat. That
4: wraps up the Eagle Hour, and we appreciate you listening each and every day. Hope you'll catch us on our podcast from time to time as well. We'll be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock talking to folks from Coastal Carolina and Georgia State until then, Southern Miss. To,
2: to the, the top. top. Time
4: keeps on slipping, slipping,
2: slipping
1: Into the future Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping
2: Into the future